Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, we are back. The Big Ten is back. The net rankings are back. The Ohio State women's basketball team is back. Uh, Talking shit is back. This week really is just a big uh, who's back of the week as we roll on to episode 56 of Bucketheads. Thanks for joining us. Uh, my name is Connor Lamont, and I'm here with Justin Goble for another episode of Land Grant Holy Land's College Hoops podcast. And we have plenty to talk about after one full month of college basketball. It's been a roller coaster ride for me, uh, Connor, because we keep talking about things that are back. And while Kent State basketball is, is back and arguably never left, uh, Kent State football is dead for good. And um, I think we're putting the I think they they took a gunshot to the head and uh, I don't think they're going to get up for people that don't know. Kent State football coming into 2018 was the losingest program. It, the, the, they had the worst winning percentage of any college football program in D1 history. Um, Sean Lewis came in. We then went to second worst winning percentage. He won that many games at Kent that we were able to jump some loser program. Who cares? Um, LaShawn Lewis is headed to Colorado. He's following primetime. He's going to be the offensive coordinator in Colorado. And all of our teams in the transfer portal, um, not going to Colorado, but just going elsewhere. And uh, Kent State football is dead. But Kent State basketball is live and well. If you haven't watched Kent State basketball, tune in. They're very – what would you say? I said back question mark. Oh, I thought you said something about Akron. I was like, don't keep that dirty word out your mouth, okay? But, um, yeah, yeah, they're back. They, they, just, they just played Gonzaga. They lost by, like, six. It was a good game. I think Drew Timmy cheated, as he always does, but nevertheless. At Kent State Hoops, the, the painful part about literally any MAC team, well, I shouldn't say any MAC team, but for the most part. Um, no, it's, any, it's any MAC I know what you're about to say, and it's any MAC team. <laughs> if you don't win those games, it literally doesn't matter, right? Doesn't because matter. you could go zero and thirty as long as you win the conference tournament. Well, with, I guess in the MAC you can't because you you have to qualify for the conference tournament. But it's only right. eight teams. But still. So, like, if Kent State Kent State losing to Houston, people forget they lost to Houston by five as well, and they lost to Gonzaga by six. Um, if you don't win those games, does not do literally anything for Kent State. They still will have to. It's a so their regular season champ would get a bid, and then their their tourney champ would get a bid, right? No, just attorney champ. I mean, normally in the MAC, it's the same, one and the same. But um, like, I mean, it, it's a one bid league. I had somebody in my mentions because I tweeted. Oh, I'm sincere. stupid. I'm stupid. It's just yeah, literally just the tournament. Yeah, so, yes, I know. I they know don't win mean, the MAC. Yeah. If they don't win the MAC tournament, it, who gives a shit that they yeah. lost to Gonzaga by six? Exactly. <laughs> and honestly, and I had somebody in my mentions because I tweeted, "Sincere carry is him," because uh, he is. 
a sincere care is the 2021 Mac player of the year. He's incredibly good at basketball. And he's fun to watch. He's Kent state's point guard. And someone was like, he sucks. He, 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 he shot them out of a, a at large tournament bit. I'm like, first of all, Kent's going to win the conference tournament. So why are you talking about at large is stupid. Second of all, <laughs> that's um, what I meant. Nobody in the Mac is going to get an at-large bid, I don't think. Yeah, and, but second of all, nobody in the Mac has gotten at-large bid since 2001. It just Even if they beat Houston and Gonzaga, it doesn't happen because they're going to lose. The Mac conference is so strange because it's so hard because teams are very good. Even when Buffalo was rank, damn near ranked and beat Arizona in like 2016, beat DeAndre Aiden in Arizona, they didn't have a shot in at-large bid if they didn't win the conference tournament. And because they just lost a couple games in conference play, because it's it you can't run through the MAC at eighteen and two or like twenty and zero. It's just too hard. Uh, it's not like the whack where Gonzaga just runs through there at nineteen and one. You just can't do it. So it'll never be a. It'll never be. You'll never get that large bit out of there. So that person my mentions was stupid as always. Yeah, but, um, but Mac like just the MAC teams are never going to get an at large bid. So like the strength of strength of schedule, strength of record, your Ken Palm rank, all this stuff that they're going to break down for like. Big 10 teams that are on the bubble does not matter for the Mac. Literally, you could be the last place team in the Mac, and you your only chance is winning the conference tournament and also the same for the first place team. I've seen Kent uh, play one NCAA tournament game when I was there, and they were a sixth seed in the Mac tournament that year. They just got hot at the right time. Well, everybody's here for Kent State talk, but also another conference that I slowly, is slowly, slowly try to turn this into a Kent State pod. That was the most I've ever got to talk about them, but by by March, it'll be pretty much the entire episode just supporting you. I have multiple Zippy the Kangaroo t-shirts, so park up the wrong tree here. That's tough. Um, end the podcast then. Big Ten actually good at basketball? Question mark. Um, we were pretty, we were pretty uh, ice cold in the Big Ten like a month ago. We were like, this is not going to be a very good conference. It doesn't look like there's any Final Four teams or even Elite Eight teams in this conference. Still could be true, but um, yeah, I still think that's true. The teams that we thought were going to be pretty good are doing pretty well. And then a couple of the teams that we thought were probably not going to be good have been really fucking good. Like Purdue has been real good. Maryland, what the hell? They have been real good. And then like Indiana, uh, Illinois have both been very good as expected. Uh, Nebraska just went on the road and beat Creighton. Yeah, like did. Big Ten. And their back. defense on the road was 40 minutes down the road, but still. But still, still on the road for sure. Big Ten might be back. Yeah, I, uh, Purdue might be a Final Four team. Uh, that they just figured we were all like, oh, but they don't have any guards. Oh, but can Zach Eady play twenty five minutes? Oh, but this, oh, but that. They figured that shit out real fast. <laughs> okay, and they got the guards. Ethan Morton has been absolutely fantastic for them. Um, uh, uh, the little lawyer, uh, Fletcher lawyer has been fantastic. Little lawyer, uh, Fletcher lawyer has been fantastic for them. Zach and, and Zach Eady's playing 25. He had 31 and 22 the other day. I don't understand how that's even a possible stat line. Like, and granted, Oscar Sheboy and Armando Baycott were doing that last year, but still, I mean, 31 and 22 is nuts. So they figured it out. That's going to be a very difficult uh, showdown for Ohio State because they play Purdue, I've noticed, twice this year. I thought they only played them once. They, in fact, play them twice. So uh, I think they play them in March. It's like their second to last game is when they go to. West Lafayette, I believe. But yeah, Purdue's really good. Um, Illinois, I still have some questions about. We're recording this on Tuesday. They get Texas tonight, so we'll be able to see a little more from them. Indiana is like good. Um, I don't know if they're top 10 good, but they're good. And then I, I, I can't seem to figure out Maryland. I don't really understand how they're so are good. You, but they are, are you buy, are you buying Maryland? Like like uh, in in two months, in two months, are we going to look and is Maryland still going to be like number fifteen in the country in two months? I mean, we'll know in about a week because their next three games are Wisconsin, Tennessee, and UCLA. So um, they do have kind of a go- now. Granted, Wisconsin that's a toss up game. Tennessee's not as good as I think we thought they were, but they're still good, and UCLA's good. So we'll get a lot to was, know about they them. They got Wisconsin tonight, I think, which we're recording this on Tuesday. Yeah, so by the time this comes out, that can't be over, but. Shout out to my boy Chucky Hepburn, who is now maybe the best three point shooter in the country. Um, but we'll you know we'll talk about that. But in Wisconsin's looked better than I think. I mean, I didn't have Wisconsin in the tournament, so might have to eat my crow on that one. They look pretty good. Um, and yeah, Nebraska, I still don't think they're going to win that many games in the Big Ten. Not really their fault. No, it's just really hard. They're, they're still bad. 
yeah, they're still not that good, but it's fun to watch them beat Creighton. You know, I mean, Sam Grasile is kind of like he's kind of that game changer they've been lacking. I know Bryce McGowan's was there last year, but I don't think he affected the game as much as Sam Grasile can, just because of how good Sam can can rebound the ball and, and on the, on the defensive end. But um, yeah, I the Big Ten is kind of it's kind of shaping up to be what we said in the sense of it's just a little deeper than we thought. But like, there is not going to be because what we said earlier was. It's not top heavy. There's probably not a Final Four and Elite Eight team in there, but the four through ten or four through eleven is really good, and it's going to be really tough to beat the Penn States of the world, the Wisconsin's of the world, when you have to go play at, you know, they're they obviously you have to go play Rutgers at the rack. You're not you're just not going to win. They might be an NBA team at the rack at this point. Um, now the only thing is, we said four through like nine or ten. It might just be four through fourteen. I don't know. Minnesota's looked really bad. Yeah, um, they're bad. They're so definitely bad. Minnesota might that's be the biggest. That's the biggest difference that I'm seeing, though, is like for the most part, other than Michigan, which I don't know what to do with Michigan right now, but like other either. than Michigan, most of the good teams that were like, okay, Ohio State's going to be pretty good. Uh, Michigan State's going to be pretty good. Purdue, we said like middle of the pack. Um, Wisconsin, I said Wisconsin middle of the pack. You said Wisconsin just out of the tournament field. Iowa, we're like, they're going to be pretty good. Pretty much all the teams that were like, yeah, they'll be good, have been good. But then, like Maryland, I had them finishing twelfth. They are a top ten team in the country right now in the AP poll. They're eight no for the first time in like twenty years. Purdue, I think I had them like seven because we talked about them. It was like, what else does Purdue really have around Edie? Can they really expect like Fletcher Lawyer and these guys to be like really good players right away? Um, we I didn't think so, and now they're like number four in the country. So like these teams that we had down lower are doing really well and all the teams that we thought would be pretty good have for the most part been pretty good but i don't think any of these teams like you said i could see like the best big 10 team i could see them ending up as like a three seed it's it's weird because they're gonna just cannibalize each other again and i don't know like i said i don't know which team is like poised we do this thing where it's like oh the big 10 is we think they're really good then they get to the tournament and they all stink or whatever but I do think there's something to be said about a team or teams that every single game you have these grinders and, and night in, night out, it's hard. Um, it's what the SEC tries to convince you football is. It's just a completely different sport, so you can't really compare them the two. But, you know, there is something to be said about that. It will get them ready for the tournament, but also it just it's really gonna show, and I think this is where Ohio State could be kind of on the on the up on the upside of this is their depth. You know, what kind of depth do you have and whatnot? Because you're gonna have to go into it. You're gonna have to, um, you're gonna have to see all of these teams. You know, it, the, you're going. You, I don't know that there's an easy game. Like, I'd be surprised if there was any game outside of maybe at home against Minnesota that like they're gonna blow a team up by thirty. You know, it's gonna be a grind, and they're gonna win games, obviously. But you know, I mean, even like I don't know what to make of Michigan State. I mean, they've looked they looked great in November. They looked horrible against Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern's that good, but they but they beat Michigan State. So in Malik calls out, and that's a big deal. But like, I it's, it's Malik weird. calls out, but it's like, oh, do you know how long he's gonna be out? Do you know yeah. what the injury is? I think they I think they're looking towards a like couple day a couple games. So like Christmas because that's the thing maybe. is like sure you can say like Malik calls out, we're gonna be good when Malik calls back, but yeah. it's like. Ohio State fans said that all year last year with Justin Suing. Yeah, if you go, say, one and four in a stretch of games where Malik calls out, shit doesn't matter, man. At the end of the year, if you end up <laughs> if you end up going 17 and 14 and you're like, oh, but we would have been we would have been 20 and 11 if we had Malik Hall. It's like, I understand, but also if you're losing these games, like it, that's going to come back to bite you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even positive anybody's good at college basketball, honestly. Is, um, is the team going to occupy every single NCAA tournament seed for the four, five, six, and seven lines? People are yeah, talking. <laughs> I, th- I think they will. That's exactly where I see Ohio State falling. That's probably where I see at least other, I, like at least the best, six other the best, teams. The best Big Ten team is Purdue, and it's, a, it's the top four seed. The worst Big Ten team is Penn State, and it's the bottom seven seed. Just the entire middle part of the bra- of the bracket is just the entire Big Ten. And it's it's just one of those things where it's like you say, you don't know what to make about Michigan. Michigan's a team that I've just kind of learned with Juwan Howard. I'm just going to wait till March because it seems like he does a really good job. Like it's kind of like the opposite of what people have criticism with Holtman of like, 
oh yeah, they win these big games in November, but they can't win them in March. It's kind of flipped Michigan, with Juwan Howard. Michigan's been to like five straight Sweet 16. Yeah, they like just, Juwan Howard's going to they're going to they're going to struggle with Eastern Michigan in November, but they're going to somehow get to a Sweet 16. So um, I don't know what Jalen Llewellyn. I don't know what that injury is. I didn't. I watched him get hurt. It did not look good, but I haven't heard what's wrong. So uh, hopefully he's okay because you know he's he's he struggled, but he's a big part of Michigan's offense. And I think he's had less of a role than I think was expected. And also I've that seen was Devontae Michigan. Jones last year early on too, and then he kind of figured it out. So I'm yeah, Michigan curious. fans are not big fans of Jill and Llewellyn so far. No, but they don't have the, they seen. don't have the depth to hate him. So because Doug McDaniel is not the answer right now. So he's good. Like if he's healthy, he's going to play. So. Um, yeah, I, I, it's – I think, first of all, thank God Ohio State plays Rutgers at home. Uh, and second of all, I just think – I mean, this like – like we said, we've said this like three times already. We're recording this on Tuesday. Tonight will be a decent example of where the Big Ten actually is because Illinois plays Texas and then Iowa plays Duke, um, which I don't, I don't think that'll be – I, I was weird. I, I kind of – I was one of the few Big Ten teams that I still just kind of feel the same about. I, I don't think Iowa's a bad team. I think they run – everything through Chris Murray. And I think if Chris Murray plays great, they'll be fine. If not, I'm not trusting Connor McCaffrey to go give me a bucket. Like, Let me see who else they have on their team. That's done literally anything. Who? Iowa. Uh, Iowa. Yeah. Cause they're, well, they got Philip, Philip Rebraca is probably the, the younger McCaffrey is scoring 13 a game. Uh, Tony, Tony Perkins, Tony P is lighting it up right now. He's got 13 a game. Oh man. Yeah. I was, I was going to be good. I'm sorry. They might be, but I but I gotta see them play it like like a dude. People are saying that they're averaging. Play. People are saying that they're averaging eighty six points per game right now, and people are me. People are, are looking at the stats right now, and they're averaging almost ninety yeah. points a game right now. That's great, and against Grand Canyon, I'm sure that's fun. But Dude, I mean, they play like seventy against like Charleston Southern. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm just talking. About, I mean, I was played Bethune Cookman, North Carolina AT, Seton Hall, Omaha. They played Clemson, and they scored seventy four. They lost to TCU, who has looked horrible, and they beat Georgia Tech and they see Big Ten Challenge, who isn't good. So, I mean, they got a they got a fun little stretch coming up at Duke, Iowa State, and Wisconsin, and we'll find out a lot about them then. I still think yeah. they're like I mean I'm not saying they're a tournament team, they're good, but I, I don't I don't know that you know they're a top four or five team in the conference. I think they're probably, I guess, throwing Maryland in there. They're probably seventh in my head, I guess, which isn't bad. I just think on the whole, on the they can whole, score. yeah. On the whole, the Big Ten has has been better than I expected. Oh God, it to yes, be. God. On yes. the whole, uh, there's just. There I thought Maryland to be a fringe. Any. I thought Maryland to be a fringe tournament team and probably missed the tournament, and they are. I thought now. I thought Maryland would be team. begging for an NIT bid. Yeah, I was a little bit higher on Maryland, I think, than you were. I think I had them at tenth, but I might be wrong, honestly. But um, I didn't I'm have them like tournament. twelve. Yeah, I did not expect. I did not expect when you basically just take Dante Scott. And I think Hakeem Hart's still there. And then you throw in like six transfers and you're just like, let's make it work. Well, the funny part is it's exactly – it's almost exactly what they tried to do last year with like Fats Russell and stuff. They have Jameer Young now. And last year it didn't really work. This year it is working. So they even have like – you know, Donald Carey's there. Last year they had a Georgetown transfer, uh, Quadis Wahab. They're both Georgetown transfers, you know, like – they're kind of playing in the same well, but this year it's just they're just it's just executing a little better. And I think, I think it's really, honestly indictment on Turgeon, to be very honest with you. Isn't Jameer um, Young? Uh, he's from the DMB, right? He went to like Dematha, right? Yeah, he's, he's a Dematha kid. Around. Yeah, he's from he's he's he, he's been very well known in that area for a long time. I should have I should have known that. I should have known that for the plot. Maybe I would have picked differently. Yeah, he's a, he's a Dematha kid, and I, I mean Kevin Willard's a hell of a coach, and I do think that matters in this. Even the the Nebraska winning at Creighton is like. I don't, I don't see think, that coming. I'll be honest with you. I don't think that Nebraska's going to win enough games where like beating Creighton will even be will even be I, th- I, th- I think we're going to look back at March and go, "Holy fuck, Nebraska beat Creighton!" Really? All right. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> if Creighton ends up going like, sorry, if Nebraska ends up going like three and seventeen in big time play, it'll be more of an indictment on Creighton because then it'll be like Creighton. <laughs> it'll be like Creighton won the Big East, but they're only a three seed. Why is that? Is that because you fucking you shit your, on your leg against Nebraska. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's going to – I do think that's going to come back on Creighton. And we're not going to look at that. As, at the end of the year, it's not going to be like, wow, good job, Nebraska. It's going to be like, Creighton, what the hell? Yeah, and that's another thing with the 20 conference games. That's another thing that is going to help put more teams in the NCAA tournament, as has been the case for a few years now. It's just that if the Big Ten, if like 
if like 10 of the 14 teams in the Big Ten are within like the top 50 in Ken Palm, which is usually the case most years, throwing those two extra conference games in there rather than playing like an extra game against like Binghamton and NJIT just makes your resume so much better. So like that's going to help put more of these teams in the tournament too, potentially. Yeah, it'll be very, I'm, I'm curious to see. So I think someone mentioned this in that courtside Buckeyes uh, community. I do think there's going to be a lot of like 14, 15 loss teams um, that get in this season. It'll be interesting. Maybe, maybe they'll treat the mid major a little differently. Maybe, you know, like this year, the Mac is an amazing example. Kent State and Toledo are two tournament teams, tenfold. They are two. They are both absolutely good enough to make the tournament and win games in the tournament. Problem is, it's a MAC team, so it'd be a one bid league. So that conference championship game is going to be very important. But like, they are absolutely good enough to both win games in the tournament. So it, I, I hope they give a little more attention to the to the young guys, the the, the little guys. But I, I doubt it. History says they won't. So. Toledo UAB was low key an early season an early Jelly. season banger. Jelly, if you don't know Jelly Walker, man, if you watch Jelly oh, Walker, that's an oh my god, we could spend another ten minutes talking about UAB because they got <laughs> another guy. Um, geez, his name's escaping me. They have a guy from LSU, Eric Gaines. Yeah, Eric, Eric Gaines, Eric Gaines is an absolute athletic oh phenomenon. Gosh. So UAB has Eric Gaines and Jelly Walker came back for like a six year like. UAB is never on TV, so you're never going to be able to watch UAB. You're going to have to go to like sportssurge.com and try to like pirate a stream. But UAB is so much fun if you get a chance to watch UAB. I mean, Jelly's um, averaging 26 points a game right now. <laughs> how many shot attempts? How many shot attempts per game? I think it's fairly efficient. Maybe uh, like 22, eh, 18. <laughs> no, that's not that bad. No, he's shooting 45 percent from the field, 41 from three. I know he can shoot the ball, uh, but that's really high. So yeah, I mean, he's he's. Yeah, he's one of the more fun. He's a top – if you list most fun players in the country, he's top four easily. Uh, what else is back? The net rankings are back. We love the net rankings because um, Ohio State was number one in the very first net rankings. Therefore, we love the net rankings. Can't and take that uh, Yeah, rate, hang the banner for that one. Um, Ohio State is 28 in the net rankings right now, which seems fair. Five spots below them is Kent State at 33. Well, that's now. When they started, Kent State was 24. Then they lost to Gonzaga, which feels a little offensive that they lost to Gonzaga at the kennel by six, and they fell 10 spots in the net rankings. But, again, I don't understand the net rankings. I never will understand the net rankings. I have no desire to understand the net rankings, and I do not care about the net rankings. But I don't, for the, for the I don't club, understand the net rankings them. either, but we will always support the net rankings, even though I have no idea how they're calculated. Uh, nothing. They have Houston, UConn, Purdue as the, number, the top three in the net rankings, which makes sense. Checks out. UConn goes great this year. Then it goes Tennessee, Mississippi State, Maryland, yeah. Sam Houston. Yeah, I mean, what what are we doing? What what who's come? Like, what is this? This Sam, looks like the sickos was, college football. I thought college. it was Sam Houston State. It is Sam Houston State. It is Sam. Well, I think is there not two? I don't know. Did they change the name, or is there two of them? I. <laughs> Hold on. I can't say no. I'm the biggest Sam Houston According to Ken Palm, it's still Sam, Sam Houston State. And according to Ken Palm, Sam Houston State is actually number 91 in the country, while the net rankings have them at seven. Yeah. Makes you feels feels like a pretty big jump. But uh, good. Who I mean, the net? other noteworthy net rankings, FAU at 24. That was where Kent was when it started. Southern Miss at 30. Creighton at 32, just one spot above Kent State. Yeah, I, I like I said, I have no idea what they weigh. I, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, like Creighton's not the thirty-second best team in the country. You know, like here's a fun one. I hope you didn't see this, and this won't be ruined. Guess what Louisville is in the? Uh, I saw it. Net rankings. You they're saw three, it. Yeah, they're three. They're three sixty-one. <laughs> they're number three hundred and sixty in the net rankings. The only teams worse than Louisville are IUPUI. Um, I'm guessing this is Houston Christian, CHR dot, and Hartford. Tough. Every other Division One team is higher than Louisville in the net first net rankings. That's going to be unless you're a fan of those two teams. No matter how your team is doing, at least you can say we're better than Louisville. What about uh, what about St. John's? Because they don't play any cupcakes. They're 71, right behind Oral Roberts. No oh boy, why does they keep they keep coming up on this? We're talking about Oral Roberts too much again. But anyway, 
yeah, too much net pain. rankings throughout. So keep an eye on the net rankings. Um, <laughs> what else is back? Uh, Ohio State's extremely efficient offense is back. Number four adjusted offense in Kempom. Best since Chris Holtman got to Ohio State. You're reading that correctly. Of all the teams that he's had and all the NBA players he's had, well, all of like five of them, um, the most efficient offense he's had is this current team right now. Yeah, I mean, it's early. I'd you know like to see that after conference play. But Stop I mean, it's, it's been a great offense. There's no doubt about that. They put up 80 points against San Diego State, which is one of the best defenses in the country, and same with Texas Tech. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely think Ken, especially – Especially Ken Palm because Ken Palm loves those teams like Texas Tech, San Diego State. They're really high on them. I, I could definitely see them being being in that realm for sure. Ohio State has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys in their rotation. So eight of the nine guys in their rotation are shooting at least forty percent overall from from the floor. The only guy that's not is likely, and he's at thirty nine percent. So there's not a single player in this Ohio State rotation that is basically an, an inefficient shooter or an inefficient scorer. Now, the three-point is a little bit different, but they don't take a ton of threes. So basically, every player in Ohio State's rotation thus far has been pretty good at not taking bad shots, aside from Bryce Sensabaugh, who just gets lucky and hits a lot of those bad shots. Which is it's a little bit of an interesting stat, and I think it kind of goes to show how veteran – playing minds at least these freshmen have because when you play four freshmen you kind of expect bad shots but then you look at like Roddy Gale I mean just doesn't really shoot the ball that much and he doesn't take bad shots Bruce Thornton I don't think he's taking a bad shot yet Felix Akpar I'm not positive he's taking a shot yet outside of the double double he just put up and um and, and like you said Bryce sends the balls I'm not sure there is a bad shot with the way that he shoots so it, it's kind of it's fun to watch those freshmen kind of already seem to understand that and kind of know who they, I think Sensabaugh is still kind of figuring out exactly kind of who he is as a player, but all the other ones seem to at least know their role. And I, in, in Sensabaugh's defense is harder because he plays a larger role than they do. So would you believe me if I said that, um, wait, hold on, let's see here. Never mind. I'm reading the stats wrong. I thought that I said that Felix Akpar has taken more shots than Roddy Gale. And I was like, that's impossible. And it was actually Isaac Likely that's taken a few more shots than Roddy Gale, which makes more sense. And actually, Isaac Likely probably should be taking a lot more shots than Roddy Gale, for being honest. Yeah, I think I think we'll see Ice start to get a little more kind of accustomed. I and, you know, and I'm writing an article about this now, but like Ice has been exactly what Ohio State's need him to be. I would like to see him be a little more aggressive when he drives. Other than that. He's been. He's been he, he started that uh, St. Francis game really well. Like six of their first eight points are from him, and then he, I think, had two the rest of the way. Yeah, he was uh, three. For, I remember because I didn't watch the uh, the first thirty minutes, and um, he uh, he was like three for three. I was like, this is ice likely game. And I looked again; he was still three for three. <laughs> I was like, nice. <laughs> feel like he's got. Feel like he's got enough in his bag that he could give you like ten points every single game without you know shooting funny? a jumper. I was just going over the stats of like I I don't, I'm not a huge like deep diver in stats unless I'm doing something unless I like need to be. And I wasn't, I haven't really looked at like their overall stats that much this year. I think the biggest surprise to me was ice likely is averaging almost seven rebounds a game. This is, it's very quiet. He's his overall is yeah. Four and a half basic well, 6.3. So we'll say four and a half, six and a half and three. Oh, which 6.3. Is, I thought it was 3.8. My bad. Or 6.8, but still yeah. 6.3 boards and three assists. So he's the leading assist man. He is the, second leading rebounder and he's way down in scoring. So I think he could score more, but uh, I mean, if he's given you eight points a game and six rebounds and three assists, that's awesome. That's, he just that's needs to score as more. good as possible. Overall, uh, number four efficient offense in the country, the Buckeyes and the, uh, the ones above them are Purdue, Arizona and Iowa. And then Ohio state's defense is at 70, which we've talked about, which isn't bad. No, it's it's almost fifty spots higher than they finished the season last year. <laughs> uh, we talked about that. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, or maybe not last week. Cause we were we were hating on Duke last week, Rip. Um, but two weeks ago, we we said like if Ohio State can still be a top twenty five offense, and even if they can like just get to like fifty in defense, that this team would be maybe his best team that he's had if they could keep the offense really high and just move the defense to like being just okay. 
and they're yeah. heading in that direction. Yeah, I agree with the people. And like I said, this is not a is not a take I only I share. This is a lot of people's opinion. I do think this is his most talented team. It's very close to me with the 2020 team that started uh, suing Liddell, Washington, Key, and uh, C.J. Walker. I think that team was incredibly talented too. But I do think this is probably his most talented team. Um, I was just curious about the defensive side of the ball because you have so many transfers. I think Tanner Holden's been very underappreciated on defense so far. Uh, honestly, in, in general, guys get underappreciated on defense. You see that with – and I just likely is a perfect example because there's like genuinely Ohio State fans that watch every game that don't think Ice should be even on the floor when he's your most valuable defender, kind of by a lot. <laughs> so like you know, I, I know it gets underappreciated. Um, there's been a, but, there's been a there's been a lot of give Bryce more minutes and get Ice off the floor is what yeah, I've seen, which I just can't agree with right now. But um, and again, like someone was like, I saw someone talking about like, oh, these guys are going, these freshmen are going to transfer if they're not getting more minutes. Like Bryce, it's like he's still playing 21 minutes a game. Like that's still. Still playing half the game, you know, and that's with a couple games he hasn't played that many minutes just because of whether it was a blowout or, you know, the Texas Tech was situational. So I, it's not like it's an issue already. He's playing a lot of minutes. He's their first guy off the bench normally. So I, you just you have to you have to appreciate defense wins in March is not a secret. Defense and good guards. I think they have the guards. I honestly, Bruce Thornton and Ice likely have been great. Um, and, you know, Tanner Holden has been good on defense. I think he's still finding his footing offensively. There's a lot to be said about a guy who's coming off being the guy who's going to playing 10 to 15 minutes a game. You're just going to – there's going to be some growing pains there. Um, but I, they have to be, be good on the defensive end of the ball. It's just it's just, it's just facts. Teams do not win that are bad at – what, what was the stat of, like, there hasn't been a Final Four team in, like, five, six years that wasn't a top 30 defensive team? You know, it's just – that's what it is. I, I forget what the exact number is, but I want to say that – I want to say in the Ken Palm era, there hasn't been a Final Four team, period, that's been outside of the top, like, 25 in defense. Yeah, so, like, this stuff does matter. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember how – we've looked it up for – I don't remember how long Ken Palm's been around, but I'm guessing probably, like, at least, like, 15 years. So, like, the past, like, decade, 15 years, you don't make the Final Four if you're not, like, a top 25 defensive team. It, it doesn't happen. Which I wanted to see more from Tanner Holden. I would like to see more because I think he's a much better player than what he's showing right now. But we did talk. We talked early in the season that this. Um, I think I talked about this with Adam Jardy too, which you were off that week. Um, that this could be this could be an Ohio State team that could have a pretty high ceiling in the tournament, even if they end up going like eleven and nine in conference play. Because if you can get the freshmen, if you can get Bryce Sensabaugh and Roddy Gale and Bruce Thornton really rocking and rolling by like February and Tanner Holden is like getting to where he needs to be by February. Like who cares if your record's 11 and nine in conference play, if you get in the tournament and you've got those guys who have finally got their feet on the ground and are doing everything they can, then they'll, they'll peak in like late February, which I, if yeah. Tanner Holden nowhere near where he's going to be right now in February. Now, I, this, I can already say this with pretty much full confidence. This is the most confidence I'll have in a Ohio State team probably since, like, the D'Angelo Russell team going into the tournament. And I didn't really have that much confidence in them. It was just Russell was so good. But, like, going into the tournament, like, I fully expect – obviously, it depends on matchups. I've said that multiple times. I can't predict anything until I see a bracket. But I have a lot of faith that they are going to be at least tournament ready and – a team that is built to win in the tournament outside of a little bit of their youth, but I don't think that'll play too much of a role. And to the, um, the thing about Bryce and I've seen a little, a little bit of, uh, you know, Bryce needs to play more likely can't score. So maybe take his minutes down a little bit. Um, I don't know how much of the St. Francis game you watched, but there's a, um, how many minutes is Bryce averaging right now? He is playing 18 minutes a game. There was a stretch in the St. Francis game that I hope that you saw, and I hope that people saw. Um, basically, Bryce caught the ball in the corner. He shot faked on a three. They had bet on the shot fake, and he had the entire baseline free for a wide open dunk. Nobody was there. And he goes to dunk, and he just rams it right on the edge of the rim and just like stuffs himself, just misses an open dunk. And then the um, St. Francis guy grabs the rebound and goes to run up court. And Bryce just reaches out and just follows him and stops him from running up the court. So they go back down. 
They take the ball out and immediately St. Francis has the leading score, just box him up and just carve him up below the basket for an easy bucket. And then Holtman calls timeout and pulls Bryce out of the game because he let his offense, which is usually as good, but he had a bad moment on offense turned into a dumb foul. And then it carried over to the defensive end. That is the reason that Bryce Sensiball is not playing 30 point, 30 minutes a game. If that makes sense. And if you ever watch him in a game, Watch Bryce Sensabaugh for the entire possession. Watch Bryce Sensabaugh for like, watch Bryce Sensabaugh for like four possessions in a row. Watch him on offense and watch him on defense. And no offense to him, but that's why he's not playing thirty minutes a game. His entire game is not well rounded enough yet. No, and in conference play, that's gonna get that's gonna get um, you know attacked. It's already, yeah, it's already getting exposed. Yeah. And these are some bad teams. <laughs> and in, in, in his defense, it takes a while. We get that. I think. You know, when it comes to freshmen, we're a little bit. I mean, remember Malachi Branham was not there defensively. He was a little bit better, and I think Malachi was just. I mean, he was putting up thirty-five a game. Like it's you know, they just didn't have the scoring to to live without Malachi on the floor. Um, not thirty-five a game, but he had thirty-five in a game, I should say. So you know, even Sensible, there's his scoring is getting there, but it's a little bit inconsistent right now. And he, the effort is there on defense. He is giving effort. Sometimes he gets caught ball watching. Sometimes he's just a little bit slow to recover. It is what it is. He'll get better. Absolutely. There's no doubt right. about that. And, he's just and not very good at that end yeah, right now. It's just not there yet. And that's why when people are like, why is he in the end of the Texas Tech game? Well, that's because, like, did you watch that game? Like, I slightly yeah. had two steals in the last two minutes that maybe maybe won them that game. Like, that's those are the plays that matter that I think people really kind of look overlook when they see Ice Airball 3. You know, they're like, oh, my God, he did it. You know. It's like basketball is a two-way street. <laughs> it's like in any sport where you put your defensive subs in. The best way I can I can compare it to is like baseball. When you see a team, um, well, I won't use your Reds because they don't have very many leads late in games. But we'll say in the mm-hmm. playoff, we'll say the Guardians, right? Let's say they're up two runs in the seventh and you see Tito pull out a couple guys and put in defensive guys in the outfield who are better defensive players because he's saying, I'm going to go ahead and bank that we're going to hold this lead. I'm going to put my best defense in. So if you see at the end of basketball games when Ohio State, say, is up eight with two minutes left and Sensabaugh's done for the day, that's because Holtman's going to put Likely in and leave him in for the rest of the game because he's like, I'm okay giving up offense. We're going to go ahead and lock this down. We're going to well, lock this I, down. I mean, a good example is kind of like if you just watch the World Cup, you know, when the USA and Greg Berhalter got kind of criticized for this, but what he would do is when they take a 1-0 lead or 2-1 two, lead, he put in some defensive subs instead of like, Gio Reyna or Brendan Aronson because they're not the best on defensive end of the ball. And, you know, even though Gio Reyna and Brendan Aronson are the, are the big names and they're fun to watch and they're fast and they're cool on offense, you kind of need some defensive guys to, to, be, to hold your back line. And that's kind of what – and Chris Holtman knows how important defense is. He has stressed it so many times over the past two years with recruits. And you've seen it with recruits, right? Felix Akpar is going to be a three blocks a game kind of guy when he's a sophomore junior, right? Roddy Gale is – all over the place. Sometimes he needs to be a little bit less all over the place. But in his defense, he's he is putting in so much effort on the defensive end of the ball. Bruce Thornton is already a fantastic defender. And sends the ball. He's not quite there yet, but he is at least the effort's there. He's then you trying. look at guys coming in. Scotty Middleton, great defender. Devin Royal's been uh, uh, talked about as a great defender. Same with Tayson Chapman. So it's like all like they are leaning towards that. And it's it's I mean, once sends the ball is you know, kind of shirt up on the defensive end. He'll be a 25, 30 minute player. That's why I don't think he's quite a one and done yet. Um, again, it's December that can very much change, but I think the people that are already like assuming Senzabal won't be on the team next year. I think that's a little bit of a, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because of Branham. I think I did ask him today or what, not today, yesterday, I'm getting my days mixed up right now. Um, Holtman had media availability on Monday and he said something after the St. Francis game. He said his main concern with Bryce is he said, I, I don't want him struggling on the offensive end. I don't want him to leak down to the defensive end. I, he's like, I don't want him to miss a shot and hang his head and not run back or miss a shot, and hang his head and not guard. That's the biggest thing. So I asked him, I asked him this week, I said, if you ignore his offense, have you seen any kind of strides defensively? Um, like, have you seen him get better from practice then to practice now? And he said, yeah, his answer is pretty much yes. And Bryce on defense, if he struggles, it's not for a lack of trying. 
Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. Yeah. Really, really hard at practice and putting in a lot of extra time at practice. And he really, really is trying to be a better defender. That's just not a part of his game that was nearly as developed in high school. So that was his answer to me was basically he's not where he needs to be yet, but it's not because he doesn't care. He's trying. He just is not great at that end yet. Yeah, and, and that's and that's that's good. Because if the buy-in wasn't there, that's a lot hard. You can't coach that. You can coach a guy who's just a little bit, like I said, a little bit late to rotate or misses a backdoor cut here and there or gets caught. I've seen him get caught ball watching a couple of times. You know, um, that was my biggest issue when I played basketball. I just be watching the play and be like, oh shit, you know, like so. It, but if that can be coached, if his buy-in wasn't there, if he wasn't truly giving the effort, the hustle, that's the stuff that's just you. You know what I mean? And he's clearly giving that which is good. And that's why he's still playing 20 minutes a game because if he wasn't, he wouldn't be playing at all. So Chris Holman's made that. It's so funny because it, when you're watching a game, you're just like, oh, I think that guy just made a mistake. And then he immediately gets pulled. You're like, oh, he definitely just made a mistake. <laughs> sometimes sometimes one of the most uh, – I remember that was Zed Key his freshman year. That happened a he lot. He still gets pulled. Some, yeah, he still – I would say it's happening actually a lot with Felix Akpar now. Sometimes yeah. Felix Akpar yeah. will – you'll see Felix is giving Zed a breather and then Felix will do something – do something dumb and you'll see Holtman just like hit the table and he'll point down to Zed and he'll say, get up. And he's like, go, yeah. you know, go get him. But, and then, um, and then when he comes over, he sits there and talks to him for three minutes and coaches him up. That's a great coach. But yeah, if you see sense of like sense about 18 minutes a game, that's going to go up in conference play, I think. But he's, his minutes that he can play per game are, are capped simply because he's still kind of a liability on defense. And until that changes, maybe it's next season. He's not going to be able to be a 25 minutes per game guy. You can't have it because you're no, plus minus. That's that's how plus minus is figured out. Sure, you're scoring a bunch, but like if you just watch Sensabaugh, if you isolate him back and forth for like two minutes of basketball, you'll see some stuff on defense where you're like, oh, oh yeah, he missed that there. Oh yeah, he goofed that up. Like you'll you'll see it. It happens. <laughs> yeah, especially when right now you still have four games left against uh, two of the top three offensive teams in the country by numbers. So. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We'll get back to the men, though, um, in a bit here. We do have to give a shout-out. Um, Ohio State women's basketball is back. Number three in the country. They arguably highest, never left. Highest AP ranking ever for Ohio State women's basketball. Yeah, they are so good they're so fun to watch because they are just bully they just bully opponents they do this thing man where they like they might struggle a little bit but they'll have one and a half quarters where they are just blowing the opponents out of the water um it was like because they were playing in a in a in a horrible case of um scheduling mishaps they played louisville at the same time ohio state men played duke so i kept tweeting like split screen split screen and um I lost my split screen for a little bit and I wasn't watching the women's game at, at one point. And when I left it, they were like down by four and I came back, they were up by four, they were up by 17. I was like, what in God's name happened? Like that's a good Louisville team they're playing and they just, they're, they're incredible. So shout out I to them. The, I was at the Tennessee game. That's the only game that I've been to so far. I think they're playing Michigan state on yes. Saturday, I believe. Um, so I might try to go to that, but they've got five double digit scores. They've got two, got two, two, uh, two ladies, Rebecca, how do they pronounce this? Mikulachikova and Taylor Mike Seller, both 19 points per game or more as a team. They're shooting 
51%. They're averaging 93 points a game. They're hitting 38% of their threes. They are, they are assisting. They have 21 assists per game. And I wish I could find better advanced um, stats that wouldn't show just steals, but they are, they have 17 steals per game, which is absolutely goofy. JC Sheldon is averaging six steals per game. And I would love to see the stat of how many turnovers they're forcing per game that aren't just steals. How many almost unforced are they for, are they also getting? Yeah, they they just put the fear of God into opponents. So they full court press the entire game. Um, <laughs> they forced. I think it was Tennessee. That's when like I was damn Tennessee. near disrespectful. <laughs> it's yeah, it's exhausting when they played Tennessee. I think Tennessee had seventeen first half turnovers. That's awesome. You gotta love they it. They literally man. full they full court press from start to it's unbelievable. It's that's unbelievable. But they're number three in the country. They're eyeing the number one spot in the AP poll. Who knows if they'll get there? Uh, that's going to be dependent on if the teams above them lose, but. Holy cow, if you're not paying attention to the women's team, um, at the very least, at the end of the day, keep an eye on your like, ESPN app and just check in on the women if you're not watching. Cause, um, and as I've, been, as I've been shouting from the rooftops, the best way to do that as well is to follow Thomas Costello, our land-grant Holy Land uh, women's beat writer, who genuinely, and I'm not just saying this because Land land-grant, genuinely is the, the best women's, uh, women's basketball beat writer. Like, 11 Warriors and those, they don't really put any effort into it. Thomas is at every game, every notes, all the features, like give him, he's at Thomas Costello one or one Thomas Costello is his Twitter. Go give him a follow. If you, if you want to any information about the women's team, he has it. We'll have him on the pod here soon. We had him on last year. Um, Thomas makes me feel like I'm not doing my job. Yeah. hundred percent, which is always Thomas for almost every article. Yeah. Right. For every article that I put out, I feel like Thomas is putting out three about the women's team. Because the, the the coverage is basically like he and then um, uh, the girl that writes about Bailey Johnson for the dispatch. Yes, for the dispatch. Those are like the two writers that are covering the team most in depth. And Thomas isn't even a full time. The Lantern does too, but I don't give them that credit because they're there. Like you should. But yeah, pay attention <laughs> to the women. They're really fun. You know what else is back? Uh, talking shit is back. Hunter Dickinson specifically talking shit is back and then watching it blow up in his face is back. Um, this is really fun. He said, how, how far in advance of that game did he talk shit about Arizona State? That was right before. That was right before? He said yeah. that they would win by 20. He said that they'll beat Arizona State by 20. He was trying to do the math in his head because um, <laughs> they played Pitt and beat Pitt, I think. And then he's like, all right, Arizona State's not as good as Pitt. All right, we beat Arizona State by 20. I think they lost by like 22. Or 23. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hunter Dickinson at this point, you, you know what? It, I, I love it. You know, it, it's fun. He's just that villain, you know? It's fun uh, it, It's fun to kind of see what he says. You know, he's if, if he's on your team, you love him. If if uh, um, if he's not on your team, you hate him. He's kind of like, you know, and the best thing, my, my favorite thing about Hunter Dickinson is um, he always talks about how, like, he's a Damathic kid. If you don't know, DeMath is like the premier program in like the D.C., Maryland area. Yeah, we just talked about Jameer Young went there, yeah. Yeah, Jameer Young went there, right. Um, he always says like, oh, the Terps weren't, uh, you know, he always has this big vendetta against Maryland when they play because the Maryland didn't recruit him. And, you know, in his defense, I don't know how hard, you know, I, I can't speak to the language they used or anything, but they offered him his sophomore season of high school. So like it's not like they were they were like oh no he sucks like they knew exactly yeah. how good he was and but he they didn't, like, want, they didn't it, want me man it's like that Jordan thing of like he makes up these like narratives in his head to just go out and kill teams in his defense he kills Maryland you know but I always thought that was funny he's like oh you know yeah they didn't want me you know so I gotta always you know take it to him it's like bro they offered you when you were fifteen what do you mean they didn't he, he want looks, you? he he seeks out the smoke it's not even like if you have a, yeah. a problem with it's not like if you have a problem with Hunter Dickinson well that's your problem it's like he literally he actively seeks out he wants you all to hate him it's not like you're just yeah. it's not like oh you're bothered by him huh you he really lives rent free in your head right like he he seeks out the smoke and then seeking the smoke a year ago. Michigan dropped their uh, non-conference schedule ahead of last season, and it, Kentucky wasn't on there. So <laughs> Dickinson tweeted um, at Lance Ware, which you knew who I guess you know who Lance Ware. I don't know who this guy is. Lance at Lance Ware, tell your man Coach Cal to stop ducking. We want that smoke. So he yeah. finally got that. He got this smoke last weekend. They played in London and Michigan lost again. So <laughs> not back yeah. of the week. Not back of the week. 
uh, Hunter yeah, Dickinson. Lance Ware is just a you know uh, rotation player on their team last year. I don't think he's still there, but he, he might be. He is currently – is he still there? I, I've never heard of him. I wasn't interested in who he added. I was interested in what he said after the ad, which was – Yeah, no, 100%. Stop ducking uh, me. Is, I want that he smoke. Is, <laughs> he, is still, he is still there. So it is actually funnier because he is still there. Um, yeah, I mean it's just, again, you know, it's – it takes in his defense, you know, they do the he does a podcast called Round Ball with Jordan Bohannon and some Barstool guys, and he just goes on there and kind of just talks shit. And it's kind of impressive because he's like still playing, you know, like Jordan Bohannon's out of college, the other guys obviously don't play. He's like actively playing games, and he's like again talking about Arizona State. And, oh, we're gonna so beat dangerous. him by we're gonna beat That's him by so 20. Dangerous. It's like Arizona State's a decent team, like, I don't know, <laughs> it's so dangerous. I'm so curious how it goes during conference play because it's new. Um, you can't say that about any conference teams. You truly can't. And so if, if, I'm like we said, I, we're both convinced Michigan's still going to be a tournament team. They're still oh, going to make the Sweet 16. I don't know how. I don't know how they'll do that, but they will find a way to make the Sweet 16. But like, can what if Michigan's like 10 and 10 in conference play? Like, is he going to is he going to keep like talking shit like every week and like just lose half the time? I don't know. <laughs> it's the 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 and we're I mean it's normally an NBA thing, but now we're even seeing it like in college with NIL like. Guys just playing and actively being like on a podcast or, you know, doing this is very interesting. And I'm very curious to see kind of how it how it evolves because it's new, but it's it's, it's very interesting. Uh, we've got another back that is my is probably my favorite back of the week. Uh, he's actually been back for a few months now. We haven't talked about it. Keontae Johnson is back, former uh, Florida Gator preseason SEC player of the year three seasons ago. Keontae Johnson, if people remember during their fifth game of the season three years ago, Keontae Johnson collapsed on the floor, lost consciousness. One of the trainers had the defibrillator thing. I don't know what the word is, but they shocked him like back to life. And he was uh, diagnosed with myo- myocarditis, which is actually that heart condition that you can get um, after you've had uh, COVID-19. But he, he was diagnosed before the whole COVID shutdown. But the point is he missed two years of basketball while the doctors are trying to figure out if it was healthy and he was safe enough to play basketball, he went to Kansas state to play for Jerome Tang and he's averaging almost 18 points a game this season. He's one of the candidates for big 12 player of the year. He's averaging like 18 points a game, seven rebounds. He's shooting like 50% from three and like 48% overall, like un- unbelievable, not being talked about at all. Yeah, he's he's a top five player in the Big Twelve right now. So shout out to him. It's awesome to see him back. It's one of those things like it's impossible to root against him, especially because Kansas State's like, you know, Jerome Tang's a really fun guy. Like you can't hate on Kansas State. You know, they're just not. You know, they're just fun. And like their best player from last year, so Nigel Pack leaves. Um, well, I'm sure partially it's because partially it's because um, their coach last year left. He just left this past offseason, right? It was Bruce Weber. Yeah, he just left, right? And Drum Tang just came in. So yeah, when he Drum left, Tang I'm sure right. that yeah. I'm sure that he'll say that, you know, with with the head coach leaving, you know, he wanted to look elsewhere, but also, like you said, the bag talks, they lose their best player. The whole outlook on your season changes and then Kansas State rolls the dice and and takes Keontae Johnson and he has been just as good as Nigel Pack was, probably more valuable because he's going 18 points, nearly 7 rebounds two assists, shooting almost 60% overall, 50% from three. How many minutes is he playing? Let's see. Uh, This season, he's playing 32 minutes a game. This is a guy that literally has not played basketball in two years. He's shooting 83% from the free throw line. He's over one steal per game, only only fouling twice per game. Like, how is that not being talked about at all? Yeah, and he was a five-star too, so there's a lot of hype with him in Florida that – he played well when he was there, but obviously with the with the medical scare, you know, never really got to see him at his full potential, and I think we're finally getting to see it now. So very cool, very 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 cool. Something to pay attention to if you see Kansas State playing. Um, definitely go out of your way to see what uh, Coach Key. They called him Coach Key at Florida for the two seasons he sat out. See how Coach Key is doing at Kansas State. And last thing that we can talk about is bounce back to the Buckeyes with Rutgers on Thursday night. Yeah. Um, if you don't know the name Cam Spencer, you're probably going to learn about that on Thursday. He's been very, very good for them. Uh, transfer in from – I forget where he transferred in from. But he's a he's basically a starting point guard. 
it was kind of like the question of like who's going to replace oh, Loyola Maryland. Sorry, it was kind of the question of like who's going to replace, um, you know, the production of Geo Baker and Bryce Harper. What did I just say, Bryce Harper, Ron Harper. Um, but Cam Spencer's been really good. He's averaging about like fifth, like fourteen a game right now for for Rutgers, and then Cliff Amore has been kind of exactly what everyone thought he'd be, fifteen and ten, and um, and you know you still have maybe the best one-two punch defensively in the conference with Paul McKay and Caleb McConnell. So that's going to be a, I'm like I said, I'm they're They're still, they still have some depth issues. I still don't think they're a perfect team and um, getting them at home is very beneficial because you just don't win at the rack at this point. I don't understand it. I never will, but um, they, cause they just beat who they just beat at the rack, Indiana. And they, Indiana, made them, yeah. and they made them, and it was funny because it was one of those things where it was like, if you've ever watched Rutgers ever, you knew they were probably going to win that game. Uh, just be, just like with how history I I, goes. I think I texted you earlier in the day. Yeah, you said, did. Yeah, we talked I said, about Rutgers. I said they're going to be Indiana tonight. You yeah. were like God willing or something. <laughs> yeah, you said I'll show you exactly what because people were like, um, yeah, Indiana going to lose at the rack today. Wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> Is that how we said it? <laughs> So like, like yeah. If you've ever watched Rutgers, it's just what it is, you know. And it was it, once they started like they had like halftime lead. Twitter was like, oh, Indiana's or Indiana's struggling at the rack. It's like, yeah, no of shit. course. It's uh, <laughs> they called them the they call Rutgers the ranked reaper. Yeah, it's horrible. What teams go play there? I don't get it. I really don't. But shout out to them. And uh, but yeah, Ohio State gets them at home, and then then they get nine days before they play what. It's turned into a game that they have to win in North Carolina. Yeah, so. a game that probably be favored. To, they might be favored to win. Yeah, uh, the game has gone from like, man, it'd be great to beat North Carolina to like, I think they have to beat North Carolina. Uh, if you remember the very beginning of the season when they had all the preseason stuff, there was an article we read from CBS where anonymous coaches made comments about the different arenas. And do you remember? I forget. Well, it's anonymous coach. We don't know who said it, but somebody about the rack said, "Like, I hate playing there." place is a big giant aluminum piece of shit but it's so loud i can't hear what the fuck i'm saying to my players it's so loud in there it's an absolute trash building but i hate playing there <laughs> yeah i mean that's what yeah that's that's exactly what it is oh. and um they died yeah it's it's such also i this is this isn't getting off the topic but i just want to bring it up before i forget i saw a stat that chris holtman is six and two against blue bloods that's kind of fun so <laughs> Ryan Day, take note. Um, <laughs> yeah, sh- show up for the games that, you're, that are actually a challenge to you. Uh, Rutgers is 107 in Ken Palm's adjusted offense. Uh, they actually do struggle to score the ball quite a bit. They have a few guys that are shooting in the mid-30s overall, and they are a bad three-point shooting team at like 31%. So Yeah, they can't uh, shoot it. Very good, very good defensive team. Top 10 defense according to Ken Palm, but – they have they have some guys who are, and I mean I double checked to make sure because they have a few guys that are shooting in the mid thirties, which is not good. And I was like, okay, well, are those guys that are just role players? And you look at the minutes, and they're playing like twenty five to thirty minutes per game, like you know more than Bryce Sensible is playing. So no, they have uh, you know Cliff Amore, Cam Spencer, um, Caleb McConnell has gotten quite a bit better offensively. He's already elite defensively, but. Um, Rutgers has some guys who struggle to score the ball. So at home, I think that's a game that Ohio State should win, and I think that they will win. Yeah, I have Ohio State winning that one just literally simply because it's like I give them an eight-point bump because it's at home, and I think they'll win by six or eight. Um, it's weird. They only have one Big Ten game uh, in December. Normally teams play two. Every other team plays two. I don't really know why I still only has one. Maybe it's a Champions Classic. That, well, not Champions Classic. What do they call the the CBS Classic on Challenge or whatever it's called? I don't know. But they only play one. So it would be nice if they could get that just to be 1-0 heading into. Because if you look at – so they play North Carolina, which is – I mean, it's a toss-up at this point. I don't know what North Carolina team you're going to get, the one that can score or the one that can't because there's two of them. But after that, they play Maine and Alabama A&M. So two wins. So if they can get to conference play at 9-3 and – I think if you can split Rutgers and Carolina, it's probably good. So nine and three, like they start with Northwestern, then they play Purdue, then Maryland, but then they go Minnesota, Rutgers, Nebraska, Iowa. It's not the worst start to conference I've ever seen um, at Rutgers. So that's, that's that. But you know, there's a world that can have a pretty decent record heading into February, which is like a, which is a pretty big gauntlet. So um, yeah, 
We'll see. I mean, they'll be favored to beat Rutgers, to beat Maine, to beat Alabama A&M, to beat Northwestern. Probably won't be favored to beat North Carolina. Um, neutral court, we'll see. But if they can beat North Carolina and they can beat Rutgers, I'm very confident that they can beat Northwestern. It's, that that's one of those things where it's like they kind of have to beat Northwestern. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a road game though, right? That's a that's it game is, at is Northwestern. That, yeah, it's at Northwestern. That's a, that's where they start their conference play. But it's like, you know, those are just the games, like, especially when the Big Ten is going to be such a gauntlet. Like you have to win those games. North, North, that's why the Michigan State loss was so big because it's like the Northwesterns, those teams that finish 11 through 14, Northwestern, Minnesota, Nebraska, you have to beat them You because you just – there's – you're going to lose some games, so you have to get those wins that you know. Are and that Northwestern, t- I know they beat Michigan easy. State, and I'll be honest, I didn't watch them beat Michigan State. All I know really is that Northwestern lost a lot from that roster from last year. So maybe the young guys from last year have gotten better, but I think that Northwestern team is probably going to be worse than last year. Would yeah, I mean Ty Berry's been playing well, and Julian Roper's been playing well, and you know it. Boo Booey and Chase Aldige is a good one-two punch, but they just have no size, which is why I think Michigan State fans really pointed to not having Malik Hall as a big deal. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll see. You I mean, if they can Collins rip off those is, next five. If they can rip off those next five, you're sitting at 11-2 and two going into the Purdue game. That'd be pretty incredible. I mean, that's top 10 in the country probably. Each, so. of, those fi- each of those five games, if they're not – They're favorite, all extremely winnable. Yeah, if they're not favored to win the game, it would be at worst a toss-up. Like I'd say North I, I Carolina right think, now is a toss-up. Yeah, I think North Carolina is a toss-up just because I think you're due for a Caleb Love 30-point game or an R.J. Davis. 30, like They're due to just put up 95 on somebody and kind of beat them to a wall just because how bad they've been. But maybe not. I don't know. They have absolutely no depth. How many places. shots will it take Caleb Love to score 30 points? It could take 15. <laughs> it could take 50, honestly, at this point. 36 shots. Yeah, I, it's you know it's they just have no depth at all. I don't know. Pete Nance didn't even play in there, or Armando Baycott's been struggling with some injuries. I don't believe Pete Nance even played in their last game because I saw Puff Johnson got the start. So I don't know. Maybe that was for Baycott. I'm not positive, but somebody didn't start the last game. So and then Leaky Black. I mean, he's not really a huge offensive scoring threat, but you know he does everything else for them. So that's just a really weird team. I'm more honestly. I have. I would say that I have less confidence in winning at Northwestern. Than beating Purdue at home. I'm sorry, not Purdue, uh, Rutgers. Like, yeah, I think that winning at Northwestern is more of a challenge than being per- than beating Rutgers. Yeah, I think week. in the Big Ten, the home and away thing is so huge. Which was why I kind of like I didn't like the COVID year, but the COVID year was so interesting because I think you got like you genuinely just got the best teams that were at the top of the conference because home didn't really play a factor into it. Because like going to you know going to Assembly Hall, going to the Rack, going to uh, Mackey Arena, you know going to the, even Wisconsin, like these are really really tough. You know Michigan State, Michigan, like these are so tough, and that's where Ohio State struggles because their home court advantage doesn't exist. It sucks. You know, I mean, we actually, have people- you'd, be, you'd be surprised when you break the numbers down. I actually, um, were you were you on? You weren't with us two seasons ago, were you? No. I wrote an article in October of that year that I just pulled it up. Which teams will miss their home court advantage? Which teams will miss their home court advantage the most this season with no fans? And I broke it down based on winning percentage at home over the last ten years versus like neutral and road. Which right now my computer is uh, going super slow. But well, the one thing I'll say is it so seems like Ohio State plays. I think they were in the top five in the Big Ten. I, think, like, I feel like they play well at home. It's just I don't think. It's nearly as loud. It's big. You know, it doesn't feel like there's there's there are courts in Ohio State just played one in Cameron Indoor. There are courts that genuinely feel like you are being suffocated as a player. That is not the Schottenstein. Here we go. You can probably guess. So I basically ranked them one to fourteen. With one being not having fans is probably going to hurt them the most. And you can probably. It actually, so this is this is two years ago though. So you can't include oh, any of the oh. last three seasons of success. So Purdue, Purdue was two. Michigan State was one. Oh, okay, that makes sense too. Maryland was actually three. Maryland, uh, it's a it's not a bad arena. Ohio State is five. So um, Ohio State, 
out of the whole Big Ten over the past, it had been five seasons before 2020, so 2016 through 2020, they had the fifth best home record. So they do play pretty well at home, even though the home environment is kind of a trash bag. Well, I will say, look, and I tweeted this out, you know, if people were criticizing the, you know, who they were playing at home and stuff, I know Holtman said something like he wants to have one marquee non-conference game at home, which is cool, but like, Thursday is a great example. It's Thursday, 7 o'clock, Rutgers, that's a good team. Like, go buy tickets, go to that game, for sure. Get to the shot. It's that not, should be – that. Should, yeah. there should be no excuse that isn't almost like a sold-out game. There really shouldn't. I'm sure it won't be, be because won't football be. is still happening and people aren't thinking about it yet. But it will be a very yeah. – um, Which is – which is the still, Rutgers has played at Ohio State in two years. Last you're year, not they only wrong. Played. But that's such a stupid argument. I mean, the football doesn't play for a month. <laughs> like, it's nonsense. And there's no football on Thursday night at all, unless you're a big – I don't even know what the NFL game is, but unless you're a big fan of those teams. So Who, who gives a damn? Yeah, it'll be two good teams. It should be fun. I haven't seen Rutgers play in person um, since I was a student. So that'll be cool. I'm really excited to watch Caleb McConnell because I think he's a really entertaining player. I think that – He's got a crazy, crazy motor. He was the reason that Rutgers won last year. If you remember uh, Malachi Branham, they threw a home run pass to Malachi Branham to extend the lead out to, I think, six points with like a minute left. And instead, Caleb McConnell blocked it and grabbed it in midair, and they turned it around and turned into a Rutgers bucket. And literally, I mean, legitimately won then that game. So that was yeah. that was a that was a tough online discourse game because that was when people were really pissed off they lost. That was a that was a fire Holtman game for sure. That was a that fire was Holtman a... game. There's no <laughs> That'll probably do it for us today. If you are finding us on the Land Grant Holy Land website, make sure to uh, go when you're on Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you use. Subscribe under Land Grant Holy Land so that if you want to hear us every week, you'll get a notification so that uh, you'll know when we put out new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at BucketheadsLGHL for in-game updates, thoughts, stuff like that. Um, you can follow me at Justin underscore Golba. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it is at LeMans underscore Connor, L-E-M-O-N-S underscore Connor. I'll be at the game Thursday to see Rutgers, try to drop some in-game notes, updates, shit like that. So thank you for listening. If you made it this far, we appreciate you. Go Bucks.